Do you have an idea for a podcast, but you don't know where to start? Maybe you're overwhelmed by all the tech or you're convinced nobody will actually listen to you. Well, I'm Shauna Game. After nine and a half years as a professional podcaster, at this show, everyone's talking money. And 25 million downloads later, let me tell you the secret to a profitable podcast. It is building a solid foundation, your podcast roadmap before you launch. That's why I created the Podcaster Class, a fast-paced group cohort podcasting for profit eight-week style NBA program. The Podcaster Class is immersive, comprehensive, and insanely motivational. If you want to create a podcast, DIYing a launch is just not the way to go. In the Podcaster Class, you'll get the tools, tips, and strategies to create a podcast that resonates with listeners and one you can be proud of. Get this. 90% of podcasters never make it to episode three. That's 2.8 million podcasters who just quit. So to be a top podcaster, you only need to publish 21 episodes, but you got to make them good. So in the podcaster class, I'm taking the mystery out of how to create, launch, and profit from your podcast so you can create a top 1% podcast just like this one. The May cohort is now open for enrollment. Classes start May 22nd. There are only 15 spots open. You are going to learn podcasting with me and 14 other amazing people. You can learn all the details at thepodcasterclass.com. Use code podcast when you sign up for $100 off. That's thepodcasterclass.com. I'm going to be real with you. Identity theft is on the rise, and you do not want to wake up one morning and discover that your bank account has been emptied or you're overdue on credit cards you never even applied for. We talk about this often on the podcast, but you don't realize how much of your information is available to scammers on the internet and how susceptible you and your family are to identity theft and fraud. I know, it's scary, but now you can get your data removed with Delete Me. That's why I personally choose Delete Me. Delete Me is a subscription service that removes your personal information from the largest people search databases on the web and in the process helps prevent potential ID theft doxing, and phishing scams. I just started using Delete Me and I got my regular personalized privacy report. (laughs) I was shocked what they found and removed. It was pages of information about me that I did not want online. Here's how it works. You sign up and provide Delete Me with exactly what information you want deleted, and their experts take it from there. I cannot tell you how relieved I felt to have Delete Me. And you know, it's also a great service for your parents or grandparents to help protect them from identity theft. Delete Me is not just a one-time service. Delete Me is always working for you, constantly monitoring and removing the personal information you do not want on the internet. Take control of your data and keep your private life private by signing up for Delete Me, now at a special price for my listeners. Today, get 20% off your Delete Me plan when you go to joindeleteme.com slash etm and use promo code etm at checkout. The only way you get 20% off is to go to joindeleteme.com slash etm and enter code etm at checkout. J-O-I-N-D-E-L-E-T-E-M-E dot com slash etm. Go to joindeleteme.com slash etm and use code etm for 20% off. What would it look like to succeed at all these five key areas of life? Money, happiness, health, relationships, and your career all at once. Our guest today, Sammy Wariot, host of the Successful Millennials podcast, is joining me for a discussion on defining success 
and how to create a meaningful change in these key five areas of your life. You're listening to Millennial Money with award-winning money expert and serial entrepreneur, Shauna Come to Game, where we flip the script on the old school approach to everything your parents never taught you about money. Each week, Shauna creates a safe space by talking with special guests from around the world about money wellness, entrepreneurship, traveling like a boss, and what makes millennials tick. Unique stories, trailblazing perspectives, tips, tricks, and everything there is to know about money. Find it all here as you uncover your money story and unlock the life you want to live. Pretty cool, right? Here's Shauna, money expert, Indiana Hoosier, and burger aficionado. Welcome, welcome back to the show. I am so glad to have you here. I don't know about you, but I find that in life, I tend to have success in one area of my life and not the other. Like my career is going really well, but my happiness or health maybe isn't going so well. Or maybe my money is going well, but my relationships, (laughs) they're just not working very well. This makes me just really curious how you and I achieve success in all areas of our life, all at the same time. Is it even possible? Well, Sammy is a fellow podcaster who spends each episode exploring the five categories of success, which basically makes him the perfect go-to expert to help you move towards success. I recently was on his show to talk all about money success, so be sure to hop over there to the Successful Millennials podcast for that episode. I'm so excited to bring this episode to you. I'm Shauna Compton-Game, and this is Millennial Money. Well, Sammy, I am so excited to have you on the show. Crossover podcast episodes like we're doing are so much fun. So thank you for being here. I appreciate the invite. Thank you so much, Shauna. I'm really excited for this conversation. Yeah, we have so much that I want to talk about. You are also a podcast host, and Podcast host to podcast host again is always fun because uh, we know we know how this works. So uh, I always love it when I get to talk to other podcasters. Your podcast is called Successful Millennials, and you cover so many great topics. I want to dive into a lot of them, but you talk about these five categories of success, which I love. You talk about money, happiness, health, relationships. And career and purpose. This really makes, I think, the whole person. I want to deep dive into each of these. So tell me a little bit about these five categories of success. Like, how did you come up with these? Sure. Yeah. I mean, I looked at like different people who inspire me and what makes them successful. And I feel like you need a full package, right? A lot of people focus on the money. I know that's why um, I do as well. It's one of my most important ones. I know this, this podcast is kind of geared towards money and because it's the biggest stressor on a lot of us, especially millennials, especially uh, people living in America where there's a high, you know, cost of living, the stress, the financial stress is very big. So in order to be quote unquote successful, I think you need to have financial independence. You need to be able to do what you want to do with your money and not be forced to make a lot of these sacrifices that a lot of people have to make, whether it be with their careers, whether it be with their time. And and there's a lot of ways you can do that. I'm sure we'll get into it. But money is definitely a kind of starting point to be able to free up your time. So the next thing is like, even if you had like all the money in the world, 
you need to kind of be doing something in your life. Like, and that's where I think the career slash purpose comes in something that continuously drives you something that makes you want to get better and something that hopefully helps others, right? It can either be through inspiration, like for example, bodybuilding and the inspiration that guy like Arnold Schwarzenegger would have on millions of people, right? It could be something that just drives you to do something every day and you need that. Um, then, of course, health is very big. Your body is your vessel. Your mind is something that continuously either helps you or, for the most of us, it helps. Uh, I mean, it actually hurts you. You know, your, your kind of negative self-talk and a lot of the things that people go through to not believe in themselves and mental health. There's depression. There's a lot of different things that come into play. Right. And that's why it's important to be in a good mental spot as well as a physical shape. Yeah. Tell me about relationships. Yeah. Relationships is a big one because let's say you, you know, you know what you're doing every day. You're in a good shape, mind space, as well as your body. You have the money, but you're all alone, right? Nobody, you wouldn't be happy that way. You wouldn't be considered successful. You'd be bored. You'd feel alone. You would, you know, um, that, that stuff is important. Both the social circle, your friends, your family, even your spouse, your intimate relationships as well. Those are all really important for you to be a complete person. And, you know, your ability to be successful in those relationships will help you kind of learn more about yourself. It'll help you maybe in business opportunities. It'll help push you to get better. And those things are really important for the overall person. And I think if you achieve all four of them or work towards all four of them continuously and make progress, then that's where you'll achieve happiness. I think it's a non-attainable, never-ending goal, but <laughs> the daily grind of getting there, you know, the roadmap of working on improving these four categories will lead you to be happy. And if you're happy for the majority of the time doing what you love and you have enough money to, you know, support your family and your relationships, I feel like that's success in that happiness category. Yeah. And talking about this, this idea of success, because I think we all view it differently. I mean, certainly if we talk about money, we all have a different definition of success, but a lot of these areas, we all have a, a different definition of success. You talked about this, this being this, this journey over our life. Is there, is there a metric or way that we could figure out, okay, in each of these categories in our life, like, where are we? Are Do we feel successful? Do we not feel successful? Is there any way to, to quantify that or measure that? Yeah, I think it, that's a tough one, right? Because like, if you think of $30,000 annual salary is the top 1% of all world income, right? But if you're living in America, that's not really enough to survive. So there's, it's not necessarily quantifiable in terms of a number for money, but I quantify it as financial independence. So if you didn't have to work, could you survive and pay the bills and still do things that you want to do? Kind of that financially independent retire early mentality that not when you're in your sixties and you know, maybe your health isn't as good, but doing it as you grow and as you get older, if you're able to be financially independent, living a lifestyle you want to live, that would be the ultimate right. goal of success. That's the metric of success for the money category. Um, yeah, for career right. purpose, I would say like working something you love, like, you have to make money off of it too, or else it's just a hobby. And everybody should have hobby and interests. I'm not saying that's a bad thing, but if you're able to, like people identify themselves with their job and what they're doing. Like you say, hey, I'm Shauna, I'm a podcaster, right? I am the creator of all, a lot of these businesses that you do. That's kind of how humans work. 
And if you're able to identify yourself as a career with something that you love doing and you're passionate about, that type of visceral identification is like the ultimate dream. And that's like, for me, the success metric for the career slash purpose category. Mm, I like that. Yeah, I definitely think the purpose and passion that definitely helps you get through some hard times oh, or yeah. some times where you're in the drudgery of your career. I know for sure being an entrepreneur, my whole entire career, uh, you know, it takes a lot of purpose in order to keep going some of those days. So when you, when you designed your podcast and you laid out these, these five categories, how did you come up with the design of like, these are the things that I definitely want to talk about and focus on? That's a great question. I think I have a similar, like, I'm not a financial planner by any means, but I've seen a lot in terms of budgeting and my parents' influence on that. And I learned as I grew up that, you know, money is something that you have to use as a tool to achieve things that you want to do. So I would say, my specialty is kind of the conservative budgeting. And then I grew and learned a lot. I read a lot about investing and stuff like that to be able to be uh, the offensive strategies, if you will, of money to earn more money, the multiple streams of income. So I knew I wanted to start somewhere there and kind of help people learn that it's not money is not the root of all evil and you need it to survive. But how can you get out of your own head to learn how to make more of it? And um, that helped me start the start the process of the podcast. And then I was like, okay, what else am I interested in? I love psychology. I read it all the time, a lot of different books and the way human mind works, the way people like interact with each other, uh, the different way, like right now I'm reading a book called how emotions are made. So like I knew something about relationships and something about mental health and physical health are important because you always see people who are out of shape or they achieve, they work so hard to achieve something and then their body fails on them. And you know, you never want to do that. So I know I needed those two categories. I'm super passionate individual by nature and very like, I, when I want to do something, I want to jump in and do it all the way. So I knew like a passion and a purpose was needed. Um, and then I think happiness is one of those things that everybody's shooting for. I don't really have a, uh, a met quantifiable metric for that one. It's really just every person's happiness is different. But I feel like if you're working towards that in the four categories other than the, that are stated above, then you'll be, you'll be happy the majority of the time because everything you're doing in your time is something that you love doing. Yeah. And since you love psychology, I'd love to talk about that a little bit. Where does that come in, especially when we're thinking about our money? Where does either how we were raised or all of these kind of isms about money that float around, whether we believe them or not, somehow they're sort of unconscious inside of us. How how does psychology factor in? And then like, what can we do about it? Yeah, that's a, that's a tough one. I think the most important thing about psychology is learning how you react to things and then you can worry about how others react. So Every person has a different profile and has a different spender profile. Some people love to spend money on things and like to buy stuff. So they get enjoyment out of like swiping their credit card at Costco and spending hundreds of dollars or, you know, splurging on a nice purse or nice jerseys. And people have like collectibles. Some people like myself, I love traveling and like exploring and experiences. So I'll tend to splurge on that. So it's 
understanding, like I always tell my clients and I always try to do this myself is when I'm looking at an option to buy something, I'm like, is this what I really want to do? Would I rather travel to Turkey or Hawaii or, you know, Alaska or something like that instead? And you kind of think about it and you're like, if I truly like traveling, then I want to be in line with that decision. So I will not take the immediate impulse and instead I'll buy you know, the ticket to Alaska with the money that I, that I've saved doing something else or not doing something else rather. So I think if you don't know what you really want to do and you're just like living through what your parents had wanted and a lot of millennials, they suffer with that because I feel like they don't experience a lot of things and they don't really know themselves. Uh, they've lived like they've lived with their parents or they lived with roommates in dorms. And, you know, eventually as you live alone, you start to really think about what you like And that helps you reflect and learn more about yourself. And then you'll learn, okay, this is what I actually like to do in my time and how I want to spend my money. And then it's just a discipline to do that. Yeah. And, and the discipline part, I mean, don't you find like, that's the hard part for most people, the actual doing of work. I think it's, we all want to visualize all the things we want to do and travel and buy and see and all that sort of stuff. But where I find kind of the rubber meets the road is when I start talking about the work part, because it doesn't have to mean that it's hard work, but it it's consistent work. So something, maybe you're doing a little something every day or every week or every month or every year, but those little somethings really add up. So I'm, I'm curious, do you, do you find that too? Like the work part is where we kind of get, you know, off the rails a bit. Yeah, for sure. 100%. Like, there's impulse decisions all the time when you go to grocery shopping. They even set up the store so that you can you have to go for like milk and eggs and cheese, all the stuff that you need all the way in the back. You have to cross all the aisles. <laughs> so like marketing psychology is really interesting. They they set up things to make it. And now, you know, you can shop anywhere you want online. You don't even have to leave your house. So everything is kind of pulling you to just, okay, just do this right now, right? And not have to work on the discipline piece. That's definitely the hardest thing for, for me. I just try to do like I only go shopping once a week and I do all my things that week or that day. And that helps me limit the times I'm in the store because, you know, you're only human and you'll make mistakes and <laughs> things that, you know, you just end up racking up a massive bill. You know, I know that's that's a lot of the things that I try to recommend to clients because it's just it's very hard. It's very hard to stay disciplined in this environment when everything is trying to engage you into spending more on things that you may or may not really want because it's quote unquote a deal. Okay, friend, I want to know, what are your money goals this year? Are you saving to buy a house or maybe a wedding or a dream vacation to somewhere tropical? If that's you, please, please take me with you. Or maybe you want to just grow your emergency fund because let's be real, life is expensive. I want to make sure you reach your goals, so you need Monarch. That's why the Wall Street Journal named it the best app for growing your savings. Monarch is the top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. You can create custom budgets, track progress towards your financial goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash ETM. Here's what I love. Monarch is the most customizable budgeting app. You can change the layout of your dashboard, 
You can go between light and dark mode. You can create custom budgets and notifications. You can set up all of these automatic rules for your transactions and notifications and so much more. Monarch is obsessed with constantly improving their product. Get this. They release updates every two weeks and they even allow customers to submit suggestions, vote on requested features, and view the product roadmap. This, my friend, is totally original. Plus, they will never sell your data to third party or show you ads. I think that's really important. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it is the top rated personal finance app. And now, listeners of this show get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash etm. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash etm for your extended 30-day free trial. When it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. When I'm looking to upgrade my wallet, I turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. Before NerdWallet, I was paying for vacations all wrong. <laughs> I was missing out on miles. I didn't even know I was leaving on the table. Now I've got a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? I don't know, maybe that fancy hotel upgrade that you have always been dreaming about. Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. The weather is getting warmer. I'm so excited, and it is time to say goodbye to all those jackets and sweaters and hello to the shorts and t-shirts. I wanted to update my summer workout wardrobe for the long haul without, you know, spending a fortune. Luckily, I found Quince, and I am in love. Quince is your go-to place from everything from premium European linen dresses, blouses and shorts from $30, washable silk tops, timeless, 14 karat gold jewelry, and so much more. The best part of all, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes those savings on to you. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. I love that. Okay, I bought the dreamiest pair of workout leggings and a bright pink workout top to match. Honestly, ladies, I gotta tell you, these leggings you need. The price cannot be beat, and I feel like a million bucks wearing this cozy workout friendly outfit. I've worn it for like five days straight. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash etm for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash etm to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash etm. Talking about money is hard. You know this already. All over the world, people are taught to never talk about money, politics, sex, or religion in polite company. On 50 Fires, a podcast about money and meeting from executive producers Chip and Joanna Gaines, host and financial conversationalist Carl Richards, we'll remove money from that list by having frank, funny, and often difficult conversations about money, the kind we're all told not to have, with guests from all walks of life. 
In each episode, Carl will invite a new guest to answer the question, what does money mean to you? Their answers will reveal much more than their attitudes about money, spanning revelations about identity, community, faith, family, and the true meaning of wealth. Tune in to hear deep conversations about money and the meaning it holds in our lives. You can find 50 Fires on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. We even ask Shauna, this one comes from Nick. Nick says, hi, Shauna. Honestly, I love this show. I know that a lot of people probably say that, but it actually is true for me. My friends think I'm crazy for enjoying a money show until they listen and then they learn a lot as well. Thanks for what you do. I know everyone has different tastes, but when it comes to podcasts, I really do think your show is the best financial literacy education out there. Anyway, on to my question. I have been renting for quite some time now. I know you recently did an amazing episode about a guest talking about the good sides of renting. I really love that episode. But I'm just wondering, when would you consider a tipping point for buying? I finally come to agreement with myself that renting actually makes the most sense right now and is the smartest money move I can make. Thank you for providing that realization to me. Anyway, just interested in your thoughts. Thanks again. Nick, thank you so much for being a listener. Thank you for sharing the podcast with your friends. I really, really appreciate it. And I love your question because I have this discussion a lot with my friends about renting, friends that come to me for money advice and they're always saying, oh, I'm renting, renting's throwing away money. And I just, I look at their situation and I say, I believe personally that renting is a bit of a mindset. That whole adage about throwing away money, I think it just doesn't work anymore. I mean, there are so many places like Los Angeles, New York, Chicago, Miami, San Francisco, a lot of places where renting is just the only viable option. In order to buy, you have to save so much money. And then you're looking at your first purchase and scratching your head and saying, a million dollars? And I'm going to have to put down between 50000 that would be very low, let's say 100000 to $200,000. I mean, come on, that is a lot of money. That is just a lot of money. And it's not to say that that purchase isn't valuable or that purchase doesn't make sense, but it just doesn't make sense for every person and certainly not at certain times in your life. So I think this idea that we're throwing away money with with rent is just, it. it's not valid any longer. We need to really change the language and change that mindset so I, I want you to think about, I'm renting right now. Right now, renting serves a purpose in my life. I am probably not forever going to be renting because renting in retirement or when you stop working or when you slow down, probably not the best option. That's the time you want a house actually paid for. But again, not the worst thing that happens Buying a house comes with a ton of expenses. There are just things that pop up that as a renter, you don't think about. If you're renting and your toilet breaks or you have a leak or whatever it might be, I mean, it's, yeah, you got to call the manager or the management company and you got to wait for them to fix it. And that might be a pain, but you're not paying for it. When you're paying for things, I don't know this was just my experience as a homeowner is it feels like things are breaking at the worst particular point in time. And they're not just breaking for like a couple hundred dollars. They're usually breaking for a couple thousand, if not more. So there's a lot that goes into buying. I think 
to answer your question specifically, that tipping point would be you have a strong emergency fund. You're paying off high interest debt. And high interest debt for me is anything above 7% interest. But also, you know that you're going to stay for a while in this house. So I don't want you buying a house if you think in the next year to five years, you're going to end up moving unless you're in a situation where you plan on trying to flip the house. Again, asterisk mark, who knows what's going to happen with the market. But if if you think you're going to get up and want to move quickly, maybe it's not the best idea. Maybe it is. I don't know. This is a personal decision, right? I also want to make sure that you aren't buying the most expensive house in the neighborhood. So I want you to be able to get some value in the house. And so if I'm buying the most expensive house in the neighborhood, then it might take me longer to get some appreciation in that house. And lastly, most importantly, can you make the mortgage payment comfortably without any issue? So if you were laid off tomorrow or if you run your own business, if something happened and there wasn't an income for a few months or even six months, would you be okay? We can't always plan for things that are going to happen. None of us knew that the shit was going to hit the fans, excuse my French, in 2021. So there are a lot of things that are just out of our control, but there are things we, we can control. So I would just want to make sure that you're in a pretty sound financial place. That would be the time to start thinking about buying when you have the money, you have the strong foundation, and you know you're going to stay for a little bit of time that's when it really would start to make sense for me. So great question, Nick. Thank you so much for sending that in. And hopefully this gave you a little something to think about. All right, you still here? Let's jump back into the conversation and pick up learning about how to be successful in all areas of our life. I mean, being a money person, I sort of know how uh, the business model works at a lot of places of how things Mm -hmm. are presented to you as a deal, but they're maybe not a deal. But we all love a good deal. I mean, it was just Amazon Prime Day and people just go nuts because perceive that there are a lot of deals and there are some deals, but some of the times there aren't deals. Somehow you just get sucked into... Uh, the sale. Or we, my husband and I always joke because we have Macy's out here in Los Angeles, which is like a big department store. And there's constantly a commercial about there being a sale. I'm like, there's mm-hmm. a sale every single day. And if you were the type <laughs> yeah. of person that was like, oh yeah, I love a good sale. I mean, you'd be bankrupt at, at this oh, yeah. time. So I love what you're talking about, about you know, really thinking about what you need and making calculated buying decisions and and the whole reason you're doing this right is because there's other stuff you want to do in life than just spend all your money on you know candy or whatever it might be at the store right exactly and and to people who love clothes and like to wear new clothes every time like that would be fine but don't then like spend money on groceries and stuff that'll get expired right like always try to spend on what you love spending whether it be clothes whether it be traveling whether it be you know cars or or jewelry or whatever it just make you want to spend money on what you you work hard for your money so spend it on the things you really want to do yeah and you you say something really powerful that money is not the end goal. And yet probably a lot of people would be raising their hand or yelling at me right now saying, like, Shauna, <laughs> how could you actually say that? So 
we we obviously can't live without money. I mean, we can't get around that. We need money and wealth does unfortunately make the world go round. But how can we put money in its place? Like thinking about all of these pillars of success, like where do we put money in there so that it's not off balance? Yeah, and that's one of the main reasons I like I love your podcast because it's the most taboo subject, right? Politics is even more openly talked about than money. (laughs) And you've made a concerted effort to continuously bring different perspectives and like try to encourage people that this is not the biggest elephant in the room that's you can talk about it. You need to talk about it. You need to plan for it. And it's just a dollar number. It's just a figure on a bank account or, you know, a portfolio account or something like that. It's not something that you should not talk about because if you don't, you won't really understand it. And it'll be that something that's in your back of your head all the time. So what I think everything costs money, that's obvious. And the more you fight the belief that money is the root of all evil, you're not going to want to kind of achieve more money or earn more money because then you'll be like, I'm evil because I'm chasing something that is evil. And of course your, your brain is going to always stay in the comfort zone and it's going to be trying to force you to be in line with your ideal of yourself, whether that be your true self or what's been, you know, kind of told to you from your parents or from your friends or from your experiences growing up. But you can't, you can't say something is evil and then work towards achieving it. So you're going to have to break that (laughs) stigma first, I think. And, you need a vision of what you're going to do with the money. Um, like if you're just saying, I want a million dollars in the bank account. Okay. Why would be the first question. What are you going to do with that? Right. It's a sense of security is important, right? An emergency fund or an ability to, you know, have income coming a cash flow, but you don't need a million dollars unless you're spending, you know, hundreds of thousands a month. And if you did, then you would have more than a million. Right. So it's just a understanding and a vision of what you want to do with your money and knowing that it's okay to go for it and you should actually want to in order to kind of attract it. I like that a lot because I ask people all the time, how much money do you need to make? Mm-hmm. And then they'll say, well, what do you mean how much money I want to make? And I'm like, well, yeah. well okay, same difference. Either one you can answer. And then they'll say, well, well, I want to make millions of dollars. And then I'll say, well, why? Well, because I got a stuff I want to do. Okay. Well, does that stuff cost millions of dollars? And it's like when you finally like kind of get down Mm -hmm. to the bottom foundation, then you realize like, okay, not everyone actually needs to make millions of dollars to be wealthy and live a good life. But somehow that's just what we think. Yeah. And I think social media definitely puts, you know, even more onus. Everybody's, you know, posting their best lives and the travel <laughs> and making things that either to get the dopamine hits or to, you know, feel good about themselves. It causes people to be a little bit more jealous and they think they need a lot more money to achieve this amazing status. And you really kind of don't. If you do things smartly, you can, you can make it without making millions of dollars. Um, so it's just, yeah. it's funny how the world has changed a little bit and definitely in our lifetimes. Yeah, for sure. Um, I, I I understand social media has a purpose, but <laughs> there are days like I would definitely love to banish it all. <laughs> yep. It, it would change a lot of things. I fully understand that. But uh, it's like, it's like the good, you know, the good angel and the bad devil, like all at the same time. 
kind yeah. of kind of working there. Well, you you've had so many great episodes on on your show. I'm wondering if any episode like really jumps out to you, like one of your favorites or something that you that you learned. Uh, anything that you that you really like? This is my favorite. Yeah, I had um, from a money perspective, I had a, a guest on, and we talked a lot about stocks and options, and I learned a lot of things about technical analysis of different options and uh, what like IV crushes and a lot of more detailed things that I didn't know from a, a more of a stock crypto and and stuff like that. I don't. I'm trying to get into options. And I know that's obviously a lot risky and I don't like to invest things I don't understand in. So I wanted to have that guest on and I learned a lot about it. So that was, that was a great episode for me. It was a little bit on the longer side um, because it was, it was very detailed, but for those people who are interested in stocks and options, I would definitely recommend that Um, from a, from a non-money perspective, I had a, I had a guest on about relationships and you know, why and why it's important to have a social circle. I'm quite introverted. So that's kind of why like the podcast was a good way to start to meet people and start to kind of grow. But I'm not like the relationships is my worst category of the five. I'm not very good at it. Um, it, It's definitely a difficult challenge for me. So I learned a lot about how to make the other person at ease as well as yourself Mm. on the initial meetup. And um, you know, that, that will hopefully extend into a friendship or an acquaintance or partnership of any kind. But you kind of have to extend that olive branch and, and the ways to do that in a way that's not too, I guess, sales many uh, for my liking. <laughs> yeah, I like that a lot because I think that we all have this like idea of like, oh, we're going to be salesy if we uh, either talk about ourselves or talk about mm-hmm. what we do. But I mean, it's it's so important to form relationships. Relationships are really the only way that I've ever advanced in my career and in my life is just by making friends and they help me and I help them and that tree just keeps on growing. But but you're absolutely right. Like we tend to not think of relationships that way and how the how there are certain ways to do it and certain ways not to do it. Yeah, agreed. I think everybody has that like, you know, speed dating, networking type of event stuck in their mind whenever they hear the word networking or why you need to know who you know is more important than what you know, like those type of isms, as you call them. I mean, there's truth to all of those statements, but it it could be done in a way that's fun and it can be done in a way that keeps you true to yourself. Yeah, for sure. I'm just having like horrid visions now in my head of past networking <laughs> events. <laughs> so what 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 is your what is your plan or your ultimate goal for the for the podcast? Like where do you want to see it go and grow into? Yeah, so I mean I I started it a while ago and now I'm just continuing to do more episodes. I would like to do deep dives in all the five categories, whether it be myself whether that be with guests on things that I'm less comfortable in or what I think they have a better opinion on. Um, and then just continue to just learn from everybody's perspective. I feel like you can really learn from anybody. I can learn one thing from anybody in the world yeah. and it may be money. It may be, you know, any of these five categories. And if for me, it's like, I'm, I'm super focused on getting 1% better. And we talked about that. And I know you're like that as well, which is, which is cool because then you're like, Okay, now we think the same way. You get to bond a little bit over that. And 
I think that's that's the whole point of life for me. I just get better every time and every day. So that's really what I want to do the podcast, hopefully share my experiences and my guests' experiences to help inspire millennials and my generation to get better as well and to achieve that success. And, you know, it could take time, but, you know, I've at this point, I feel like you have to commit fully to it. And so that's why, you know, the inspiration or the career and the purpose level drive has really helped me uh, on this journey so far. Yeah. What do you think makes... Or I should say, like, what do you think is so interesting about the millennial generation in particular? Like, is there anything that you can pull out, like, why this generation is so distinctly different? Yeah, I think it's because, like, the rise of the iPhone and the technology and social media came in, like, well, 2008 for the iPhone and, like, social media in the mid-2010s, call it. And millennials, you know, my, my podcast is kind of a little bit shrunken. It's from 1990 to 97. I know the official definition is like 86 to 98, but I felt like those people born in the 1980s were a little bit older. So like for me, I'm born in 95. So I'm right in the middle of that category. I was 13, you know, when the iPhone came out, like high school, when social media started coming out. So I wasn't like my first phone was a flip phone with no camera, no texting. So I'm not like the Gen Zers that, you know, were born into social media. And, you know, you're still, you're forming your opinions as a teenager. And then all of a sudden this new thing drops and it changes the way, you know, you will be raised. And your parents had no experience with that. You obviously are learning it. And it's like a weird space where the kid knows more about technology than the parent. And, you know, normally when you're a kid, your parent knows way more than you and you're like learning from them. But it became a little bit of a shift there. And unfortunately, you know, millennials get that bad rep. They get lumped in either with the Gen Y or the Gen Z. But I feel like, you know, with with the technology changing so much from iPhone 1 in 2008 to now, you know, iPhone 12, 13 years later, it's it's every ever evolving and the generations have grown up faster because they're able to access information everywhere. Like I still remember I'm older than Google, but <laughs> you know, I can't, it, it's just, it's hard to fathom because Google is such a mainstay in our lives now. Yeah. It's so fascinating when you start to pick it apart. Well, I, I love to end every episode with some actionable money tip, idea, strategy, tool, anything that you think the millennial money listeners really need to walk away from this episode, what would that be? Yeah, I think um, my my favorite tip is I create a list of my shopping and my groceries, and that can extend to you know clothes and shoes and stuff like that. And I create that list throughout the week, you know, based on whenever I need something, and I go all my grocery shopping errands once a week, and I hit all of them at once, and I only get what's on the list. And I've found that to be the greatest money tip ever because impulse decisions are like 72, 73% of all purchasing decisions. So if you can limit 70% of your expenses just by going once a week and just by going only on the list that you've created, you're not only, I mean, you're spending on what you need, which is the list, and you're only going once and you're limiting all the impulse buys, you get to save all that money and use it either to invest or use it to spend it on something you really like. So that that's like my favorite tip ever. I always stay to the list. And if you forget it, you know, that helps you learn some discipline to remember to put that thing on the list the next week 
And that kind of helps train your mind a little bit and train your actions to, to not forget those things and to hopefully make you a little bit better. Well, Sammy, I know we're going to continue this conversation over on your podcast, but tell all the listeners where they can go to connect with you and to listen to your show, Successful Millennials. I appreciate that, Shauna. I'm really excited for that conversation as well. Um, I'm on all the streaming platforms on podcasting world. Uh, It's called the Successful Millennials podcast. And on Instagram, it's FinanceZilla. And then I have a website. It's called FinanceZilla.net. And you can reach me out on any of those. If you want to email me directly, you can also do that, financezilla at gmail.com. So yeah, I'm looking forward to help help everybody out. I think the area for me that I'm working on, honestly, if I'm going to be really honest with you, is happiness. It's just never been easy for me. I think I'm a chronic overthinker. I'm a chronic worrier. And that's something I'm working on 100% all day long, every day. But I loved all of Sammy's tips, and I really started to infuse them into my daily life. And I don't know, I'm starting to feel happier. So maybe there's something to this. As I mentioned, I was a guest recently on Sammy's podcast, Successful Millennials. So hop over there and be sure to check out that episode. If you enjoyed this, do me a favor, share it with friends, family members, anybody who you think would really get a lot out of this episode. You can head to the show notes for all the links mentioned for our episode sponsors as well. And be sure to hit the follow button if you're listening to this episode in Apple Podcasts or subscribe button and all other platforms to make sure you never miss an episode. Hey, you. Yes, you. Before you go, we want to say thanks for listening to this episode of Millennial Money. For all the links, tags, and ads you've heard on today's episode, check out the show notes or go to mmoneypodcast.com where you'll find more episodes to share with your friends. While you're at it, leave us a review and make sure to subscribe wherever you listen so you don't miss out on all the money tips and tricks that will take you from a millennial regular to a millennial money expert. See you back here in a few days with a fresh new episode. Whatever you're saving up for, a CD from Sandy Spring Bank lets you grow your savings at a guaranteed rate. Right now, earn interest at 4.5% APY on an 8-month CD special or 4.25% APY on a 14-month CD special. Learn more at sandyspringbank.com slash cdspecials. Minimum opening deposit to earn the annual percentage yield is $500 for the 8-month CD special and $2,500 for the 14-month CD special. Member FDIC.